the contemplative tradition teaches us, let's ruminate on that, which might mean actually reading it more than one time. Slowly, that's not how we read. There's not a thing wrong with reading the Bible through in a year, but that serves a different purpose. This is a way to let the scripture get into you and make changes in you. If you're thinking more about Jesus on the cross and why he did that, that is going to change who you are. Welcome to the Really Real Podcast. Thanks for taking us along on your road trip. Can we stop for a bathroom break soon? You know, actually, that gas station up there, it looks like it'd be pretty clean. I mean, I think. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, hey, welcome to the Really Real Podcast, a show where three friends sit down for a drink and some refreshingly honest conversation about real life. Here's what's on tap for the show today. First up, on Need a Refill, I'm going to be talking about unstylish worship songs. Ooh. And how I actually really like them. Like polka? Wow. Maybe. No, that's, that's not quite amazing. where I was going, but is, is there polka worship? Is that, there's got to be. I there's hope there's Christian sky. You know there's yeah. Christian polka. Oh okay. my goodness. Yes. We're going to have to do some looking later. Yeah, you It's our homework. The multiverse of madness. Kara is going to be guiding us through a conversation that starts with this phrase. What if we didn't? Mm-hmm. Mm, we'll leave the rest a mystery. Yeah. And then Yelp the world with Isaac. Isaac is reviewing giving his dog a bath. Yes. <laughs> Twists and turns in the story. Which if I could read an Amazon review from Isaac about would... giving a dog a bath. <laughs> That's yeah. near the top of the reviews that's, that I would want to read. That's gold. It's going to so, be great. And then finally, plus one. Today, we're joined by special guest Tracy Balzer. We're going to be having a conversation on contemplative spirituality, which is a little bit of a mouthful of a <laughs> phrase. She's written some books on this. She does a podcast on this. She's an expert in this area. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to have her join us. I'm really excited to hear from her about what exactly is contemplative spirituality And how can contemplative spirituality enhance and enrich our spiritual formation and our connection and relationship with God? Yeah. What's everybody drinking today? I'll get us kicked off. Fall has arrived. It's officially fall. Yes. We're seeing some cooler temperatures mixed with some warmer days as well because we live in Arkansas. (laughs) It's frustrating. We get kind of this weird summer fall combo platter thing. Mm -hmm. But on the days where the fall weather shows up in the morning, my favorite classic fall drink is the old classic, just hot apple cider. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I I mean, it's legit sitting around a campfire with a jacket on Mm. drinking a cup of hot apple cider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't get much better than that you can even take a few of red hot candies and toss them in there uh what have you not you haven't done this (laughs) i've not done that i've never done that either take some red hots just drop them in your hot apple cider adds kind of a no like a cinnamony yeah that sounds so good okay just, i thought you were making a yeah, that's gross face no i'm sorry you're gross so, and good I'm face i'm so okay. thrown by this that i've lost facial muscles i guess can't it decide. sounds so good i thought you were very disturbed by I, this I, I idea i was like are you kidding these go together no, 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 this is good this is good yes affirmed <laughs> okay try it this fall sometime Backed. get a pack of red yeah, hot candies yeah. make yourself a cup of hot apple cider throw them in there i'm camping next weekend i'm doing this yeah that's a great it idea. just adds to it i'm drinking some homemade ice iced coffee yeah you are um which is not like isaac's cold brew it's just regular brew that i put in the fridge and oh, then okay. the next day it was yeah. like okay i mean it's brew that is cold it so. is true um <laughs> so decided to give this a shot we often don't drink the full pot of coffee sure. at our house and so we end up dumping some so the other day i was like well what if i put it in a mason jar and the next day i wonder how this would taste so mm-hmm. today I tried it with some basically dumped a whole bunch of stuff in it i put like one cup of cold coffee in a glass and then and I dumped coconut milk and creamer and some vanilla extract and mixed it all together. And then I dumped some more creamer in because it wasn't quite sweet enough. <laughs> and it was good, though. It was yeah. kind of fun. So I'm excited to experiment with that a little bit more. Yeah. I think that I want to make some simple syrup so Ooh. that I can be legit with these lattes. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. Okay. The Cara Barista arc has a new update. I <laughs> love this. Go. I'm so excited. Right. I'm going to get into this. Check back in next week That's for more. Right. <laughs> Piggybacking off of Anson's It's Fall Declaration. Today was my fourth pumpkin spice latte of the season. Really? Wow. That's a lot. My Ugg boots are on. (laughs) It is fall, baby. It's got his beanie on. I did not expect that. No. I didn't either, actually. And you've had four of them already. That's a lot. I don't do dairy well. So this is just. Oh, you're poor. I'm still going through it. (laughs) 
and it's still worth it. Okay. I love it you, so much. You could do it wow. with a different kind of milk. You could have them do like oat milk or. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah. Just, go, go suffer. Go it just feels like I don't, I'll try one with oat milk maybe today. Yeah, see how it feels. The PSL has been hitting. It's That's been really nice. good. Okay. The 60 degree mornings. Oh, I yeah. like rush down to the cafe before it starts yeah. warming up again. And I'm That's like, awesome. Where's my thing? Yeah. <laughs> Got to get that hot fall drink in before it's 80. I'm just like watching the temperature go 90% up. 90 percent humidity. Like, quick. Yeah, but exactly. they're great. It's pumpkin spice okay. latte season. That's fun. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Let's talk about what's on repeat this week. My on repeat is a fresh find on Real FM called Down Too Long from Reese Lachey and Big Breeze. I feel like there are certain songs where I have to listen to them, I don't know, a few times and then they kind of grow on me and I go, all right. This is a jam now. I'm into this. I love this. And then there are other songs where I hear them for the very first time. And the first time through the chorus, I'm already like kind of starting to hum along. And this was one of those for me. The chorus, the very first time, it just clicked with me. Love the hook. Super catchy. Super fun. And I've been learning about Reese Lachey, brand new Christian hip hop artist. I love that we have more women showing up in the Christian yeah. hip hop scene, mm-hmm. starting to become really visible. Reese is kind of the next one on the scene after one day featured on Reach Records Summer 21 playlist. Mm. I also really love what Lecrae said. I was reading an interview with him the other day about the Reach Records Summer playlist and kind of what they're trying to do there. And he was saying what we're really aiming to do with these summer playlists is to take music that typically gets overlooked from marginalized communities like the Hispanic community, black community, the African community, and then certainly female Christian hip hop artists as well. Mm -hmm. By taking that music and elevating it, we're allowing God to penetrate new and different spaces. That's mm, so cool. That's and cool. I think that's really awesome. I love what Reach Records is doing yes. with getting some of this music out there and getting it in front of a new audience. Yeah. This song is like just the perfect poster child for that. It's really fun from a brand new artist that I think has a really bright future. And this is definitely not going to be the last song you're going to hear on Real FM from Reese Lachey. I'm pretty sure. My on repeat this week is Headspace from Riley Clemens. You can't have my Headspace This song is so fun. This is a great, I need to go work out and kind of pound it out kind of song. Adopt a little bit of a tood like, well, yeah, yeah, it's one of those songs. I have a list of multiple songs like this that are by like female artists that are very like, you know, (laughs) and it sounds kind of a girl power song. Yes. But I think this could be an anybody power song because it's basically all about kicking the negative, anxious, toxic thoughts out of your head. That's what Riley said about it. She said, I found myself giving my headspace and myself to things that weren't healthy for me. Yeah. Like negativity, anxiety, toxic relationships. And she said, I was allowing it to have way too much power and authority in my thoughts and my mind. And so I wrote headspace as a means to honestly say, no, none of that can have my headspace. You're not allowed to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, She said, basically, it was this drawing of a line in the sand for me. So it's been a good one for me to put on, especially when I find myself in a funk. These kind of songs are so helpful to me. It seems cheesy. But it's not. There's some power in literally taking your power back and saying, I can choose to kick this out of my head. I don't have to allow this to stay here. This is a song that's come out of the mindful mental health culture. Yes. Like a Miranda Lambert breakup song with a dude. This is like a breakup song with negative thoughts. It's true. It's so cool. (laughs) It's a good one. My own repeat this week is Don't Worry About It from Wande and Portia Love. Do we all have female artists as our... Oh, we do. look at us. Yeah, that's awesome. This is one of the songs that um, I just love it because it's a really good hip hop song. Anson sent it to me and he was saying, I'm thinking about adding this song. Within the first five seconds of it, I was like, yes, add this song. <laughs> like <laughs> yes, the please. little sample from Wiz Khalifa's Black and Yellow on this yeah. is so good. One of the choruses, so don't worry about it. See a hater, do the swerve. You know you heard about it. I don't have any haters that I'm aware of. <laughs> But you this song, want one now, if I, right? I, like, yeah, like if I had a hater, <laughs> I'd be swerving so hard on him. It'd be great. Awesome. You don't have to have haters to love the song. I do love it though. It's so good. Just a good hype. Song. I feel like all three of our songs this week are like basically in the same category. Yeah. <laughs> Reese talks about even when I got knocked down, I don't even see the ground. Yeah. yeah. Riley Clemens is talking about kicking the negative stuff yeah. out of her head. Yeah. The ladies one are day helping is swerving us. on haters. Yes. Yeah. Thank like, you, ladies. Just, <laughs> if you're feeling frustrated or having a hard week, like yes. yeah. these are some. Really Really good pick me up encouraging so kind of songs. When someone you love is hurting, it hurts you too. 
If you feel like you never know what to say or do, we can help. Introducing Pedigram. Now you can show your friends and loved ones that you truly care by sending them an adorable puppy or kitten to cuddle with. Upgrade to Pedigram Prime and send them one of our premier level pets, like a baby panda. Those are for the really bad days, because how can you be sad when there's a baby panda in the room? Sign up for Pedigram today, because nothing says I care like a real live teddy bear. Need a refill? What we wish life would pour us a little more of. Another! This is one of those need a refills where I would love to travel back in time a few years ago and get old Anson's reaction to this need a refill <laughs> because he'd probably give me a look. Uh-huh. <laughs> Be wow. like, what are you talking about? This is something kind of new for me. I would love more old hymns or old worship songs. Wow. In my life. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that I've been learning about really over the last decade or more is how to set aside style and preference. It's not that we can't have things we prefer Mm -hmm. or things that we like more than other things. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think one of the things that I was plagued by when I was younger is mistaking subjective taste for objective value. Ooh. Yeah. I would hear a song that's in a certain genre or see a certain type of art and go, I don't like that. Therefore, it's not good. Yeah. Yes. Right. I hear this a lot with, say, like modern art. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody could draw that shape <laughs> on the wall and put it on canvas. And all of a sudden it's in a museum. Like, I don't like that. Therefore, it's bad. Right. Right. Or think about with songs like I still do this sometimes with certain genres of songs like, say, maybe it's country music for you. Right. Like, yeah, really don't like country music or I really don't like rap or I really don't like whatever. Yeah. Contemporary Christian music, whatever it is. And go, therefore, it's bad. It's not good art. Yes. Right. We even do this with hobbies, sports, Mm -hmm. say Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't like basketball, therefore it's bad. Or I don't like golf. Golf is boring. Who would ever (laughs) want to watch golf? Therefore, it's a bad sport. Right. We end up making these judgments on things based on our own personal preferences. Hmm. A journey that I've been going on for a long time in a lot of different areas of my life is slowly coming to terms with the fact that just because something does not perfectly fit my tastes does not mean that it's (laughs) bad or that it offers no value. And in fact, sometimes there's immense value in things that don't perfectly fit my taste. Mm. The latest example of that to me is worship music that doesn't fit my taste. Yeah. For the last two years, my wife and I, we've been going to a church that is much more traditional in terms of the liturgy that Mm -hmm. the church has and the style of the worship compared to most any church that I've ever attended in the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's been an adjustment, but has also been really rich and really good. Yeah. I've found myself singing and reflecting on the words to some of these classic hymns that maybe I know, but that I've dismissed for a long time because Mm. they just weren't in a style that I really appreciated. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. if Chris Tomlin comes along and adds one of his <laughs> modern hooks to it, that's right. You know, yeah. we add yeah. some backing vocals and some strings and some piano or whatever. Oh, then, yeah. Like now we're talking. Yeah. But like otherwise, <laughs> you know, with an organ though. Yeah. Yeah. I've been singing hymns with just an organ or just a piano. And hmm. in some ways, the stripped back nature of it yeah. has really helped me to focus in on the words and the meaning that's infused into some of these songs. Mm. I was recently doing an interview and one of the questions that I got asked in the interview really kind of like stopped me and caught my attention because I thought it was kind of a weird question, honestly. (laughs) The question was, do you think music can get in the way of true worship? Mm. And I was like, well, that's an interesting question to ask like a Christian radio DJ. Right. Because we're kind of all about how worship music helps us worship God. And it absolutely does. But I was thinking about this. Can music get in the way of true worship? I was like, well, Mm. probably. Yeah. Yeah. Probably it can. Yeah. How does it do that? Well, for me, one of the chief ways is I think when I'm distracted by Mm. style and preference Mm -hmm. over the true purpose of what I'm trying to do here, which is to connect with God and to worship him. Right. Mm. Even if I don't identify with the style of a song, I can appreciate what it says, what it reminds me of. And in some ways I can appreciate that even more. Yeah. I feel like when the style 
of the song is not distracting me yeah. from the substance of the song. So interesting. So what's one song you've been thinking about a lot recently? My favorite song of all time is How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Mm-hmm. And we sang that one in church a while back. And it's more of a modern hymn. It's not like mm-hmm. an, an older hymn, but still very much. Yes. We sang it with the organ and the, like, uh-huh. and it just, there's nothing left but the words yeah. that I'm saying and that I'm singing. And as I listen to myself repeating those words like i can't help but just be almost kind of overwhelmed by them yeah um that song just it gets me every time my wife will tell you that i'm a crier when it comes to songs <laughs> like i get really emotional uh oh, with music good. but it's just in the past i had that emotional reaction to something in the music there's this worship experience and you hit like the chorus or the bridge and there's kind of this emotional swell and i kind of get caught up in it yes and not that there's anything wrong with expressing emotion through music that's really powerful and really good sure but i've learned lately that through songs like how deep the father's love for us accompanied by an organ yeah. That that same thing can happen just through the words of a song. It doesn't necessarily require the synth pad yeah. and the building drums <laughs> and yeah. the fog machine and all that kind of stuff. Get ready for the multiverse of madness. Things are about to get really weird. We're about to jump on that ginormous spaceship. You want to come? So this week in the multiverse of madness, we're asking the question, what if we didn't? Looking back at pivotal moments in our life and wondering, if I didn't do that, what would my life look like? Mm. A lot of times it's like these teeny tiny decisions. Well, it seems tiny. They're probably not tiny. End up really affecting the course of our life. Mm. Yeah. So for me, what if I didn't move to Arkansas way back when I was considering which college to finish my degree at Mm. in 2007? Okay. A long time ago. Yeah. My family all lives in Nebraska and... There was this weird kind of whim almost where we ended up visiting here and didn't seem like a real thing. It was like, yeah, we'll go visit, but that probably isn't going to happen. Right. Okay. But I ended up moving here seven and a half hours away from my family. And literally my life has changed Mm. dramatically because of that decision. I think for Isaac, you had mentioned that you were planning to join the Marines (laughs) after college, which is mind blowing. It seems like the most backwards. Yeah. Like (laughs) it doesn't seem like it aligns with the person I have become now. Yeah. But yeah, there was a point, I think my junior year, maybe sophomore year in college, I was speaking with a Marine recruiter, three or four meetings deep in that process. You know, my dad was in the Marines um, when he was around my age and that kind of influenced. I was looking for a lot of direction. I'm the firstborn in my family. I didn't Mm. really have anyone's example to Mm. really follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was kind of figuring out, okay, well, what do I need? I need to eat. (laughs) I need to have a job and I need some sort of structure. And it was looking as if the Marines were going to be able to provide that for me. And I think that they've provided that for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 I definitely would have left this area. I certainly wouldn't be working at this radio station either, which is really weird to think about. Right. And because there's been a lot of personal growth in my relationship with God that's been informed by I mean, you can't be around Christian music every day for eight hours a day and not, (laughs) I think, I I think it's pushed me deeper in my relationship with Christ that I don't know that I would have gotten had I just removed myself from this completely. Mm. So Anson, for you, I would imagine a big pivotal moment would have been when you met your wife, Dree, in college. Absolutely. Definitely one of the more pivotal moments for me. And the funny thing is how it came out of something that was really kind of silly. (laughs) My wife and I, we would both look back now and go like, okay, we were first semester at college. Any boy or girl that looked at us. Oh, yeah. Like, hey. He's kind of cute or she's kind of oh, cute. Yeah. We'd be all in on that because all you want <laughs> sure. is just like for somebody to love you. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we found each other and we were interested in each other and thought each other were kind of attractive. And so we're like, sure, let's date, you know. Yeah. And then slowly, I think, realized like, oh, actually, this was a really good decision. Like, yes. You guys um, dated your freshman year. Yeah. I mean, we started dating. Well, I didn't know anything about this girl. Other than <laughs> she was attractive. She's, she's cute. <laughs> seemed nice enough. She was interested in me. So there you go. All so very she good checked boxes. All the boxes. Yeah. That was yeah. it. Like. That's all the criteria. Mm. And then over the course of several months, kind of realized like, oh, there's a lot more to this person. Yeah. I may have just stumbled into something really awesome. We got married very quickly. Like we got married after our sophomore year in school, getting married very young. Yeah. Definitely, I think, had an impact on the way my adult life has transpired since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if I had not 
made that decision in college, I'm sure a lot of things would look really, really different. Yeah. What do you think you'd be doing as far as work and life? Do you think you'd still be living in Siloam or do you think you would have been like, yeah, I'm going to climb the ladder? I think it's very possible that I would be doing the same thing vocationally in terms of like working in broadcasting. Yeah. I may have even ended up working in Northwest Arkansas after graduating. Yeah. But I think you're probably onto something there. I wouldn't be surprised if I wouldn't have moved on at some point. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love being here at Real FM. I love what I do. I love the people I work with. So that might have been enough to have me stick around anyway. But certainly my family has been a part of that equation too. I don't want to move them all over the country and have kids switching schools. My wife has a job here and loves being here and all of that. So that plays into a, a lot of that for sure. And then that whole idea of like the grass always being greener Mm. on the other side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I think there are moments that probably any married person can relate to. There are selfish moments that you have where you go like, man, if I could just sit around and play video games all day and not have any like family or marital responsibilities, that would be kind of nice. Yeah. Right. Not like I actually want that. I'm very happy with my life and my marriage and my family. Of course. But you have those moments, right? Where you go like, man, it should be nice if I didn't have to worry about anybody but myself. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's where I was, yeah, only having to worry about myself, like, man, I, I imagine like feelings of loneliness yeah. and like questioning self-worth. And yeah. Kara, I know you've talked a lot about your oh, yeah. experience as a single adult and all the struggles that come along with that. For sure. I know I would be dealing with all of those things. I think I would definitely have struggled with adult singleness. Like yeah. that, that would have been something that would have been really, really challenging for me. Mm. Yeah. Isaac, I'm curious about you with the Marines. Was there a point that you were like decidedly like, nope, I'm not doing that. Or did you just find yourself on a different path kind of accidentally? God has had a really cool way of letting me lay out plans pretty intensely Uh and then having me stumble completely out of them (laughs) because that wasn't what I was supposed to do. Yeah. I was several meetings deep, all but signed the paperwork. My dad had the perspective of until you are ready, sign nothing yet. Because like once you're in, they've got you for whatever time (laughs) you've signed up for. I was single at the time. I had made no plans to really like be not single. Yeah. I was kind of indefinitely like, all right, this is fine. I'm going to live it up and kind of have like <laughs> several years of just doing kind of like what Anson said, like doing yeah. whatever I want. Yeah. yeah. And then I met Bree. <laughs> And through the process of forming some more ties to somebody helped me make better informed decisions Mm -hmm. on what I wanted to do. And all of a sudden it wasn't just, well, I'm willingly going and I'm going to go infantry and be able to do this and maybe get hurt and it's fine. Having the added person there that cares about me was like, okay, it's a big yeah. So what about you, Kara? If you didn't come to Arkansas, (laughs) would you still be in Nebraska? Or do you think you would have ended up somewhere else? Yeah. I think I probably would have stayed there. There were a couple other colleges I was looking at potentially, but there weren't a lot of radio programs. One was in Missouri and that was close enough to home. It was like two and a half hours. I feel like I probably would have ended up back in Nebraska or somewhere closer in the Midwest. Maybe, you know, did you ever have a thought in your mind as you were either like in high school or even later on of like long term, I want to either be in or near Nebraska, or I want to get out of here and go somewhere else. I liked the idea of experiencing lots of things. I liked the idea of traveling, but I always thought I would probably be there in Nebraska or close by. I was kind of a homebody. You're a homebody that moves seven hours away. I know. That's the thing that's so weird. Yeah, that's a big deal. It was a big deal. And it was weird because I never was the kid who was like, I got to get out of here. You know, it sounds really woo woo, but I felt like God just made it really clear. This is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I am a very indecisive person. And I came here and was like, I think I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. I think God's going to provide, even though it's an expensive school and I don't know how. Yeah. I think I'm supposed to be here. And that is not normal for me. (laughs) So that's kind of a crazy thing. It is interesting to me. You look back at what a pivotal thing like that decision turned out to be in your life. Uh It's just cool because I think so often we can't see Mm -hmm. the way that God is orchestrating things Mm -hmm. or working on things in our life until maybe you get like exactly 10 years of separation from it. And then you go, somebody who doesn't normally just make a call. (laughs) made a call 
it led to all of these like really great things yeah. that wouldn't have been possible otherwise. Yeah. I wonder why that happened. Oh, you know? yeah, like, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That was a moment of confidence. But the next couple of years living here and finishing school, I struggled. I got real homesick. You're right. Looking back, I spent a lot of time agonizing and praying over like, God, show me the right thing to do. When you're in the middle of that, you feel like you're messing it up. Right, right. And looking back 10 years, you're like, I was where I was supposed to be. Yeah, isn't right. it funny how we go like, God, please just show me the right thing to do. Yeah. And I, sometimes I wonder if his answer to that question isn't like, yeah, I am. <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the middle you're, of it. That's why it. there's no big changes. That's, that's, yeah. why you're, that's why you're here. Like, yeah. I'm doing that. What do you think's happening? Yeah. You know? But it involves obviously ups and downs and highs right. and lows. It and, does. and sometimes when you're in those lows, it feels like you're definitely not where you're supposed to be. It really yeah. does. And maybe sometimes we are where we're not. But I, I don't know. But I definitely think there is an element to that where there's mm-hmm. kind of this like, God, please just help me be on the right path. And yeah. like, well, you are. Like, yeah. You're you on are. the path God gave you. Right. So, but it never feels like you are right maybe not never but a lot yeah. of times it doesn't feel like but it. that's the cool thing about cool. i think some of these reminiscent conversations of like yes. when you look back at your life and you go okay what if that was a little different or yeah. what if that went differently or this here yeah and you kind of go okay even if that decision led me down some paths that were really difficult and hard ultimately it was good that's a really reassuring thing mm. when you start to observe that pattern in your life mm-hmm. because at least for me then it gives you some faith of like Yep. Okay. Maybe this is what's happening now, too. Yeah. It's time to Yelp the World, where we rate anything because you're dying to know our opinions about everything, right? This is literally the most exciting thing I've ever seen. A little backstory with this Bree and I, well, I brought home. (laughs) (laughs) Bree sent me to the shelter. She is indecisive about animals. If she went to the shelter, she would either come home with no dog or all the dogs or 80 dogs. (laughs) And she was like, you have the capacity to pick one. Uh She says, I would love a smaller, older dog, (laughs) maybe like older and a little bit more subdued. Oh, my God. And I said, "Okay." And I came home with a one year old German shepherd mixed (laughs) with something else. We think shepherd mixed with living anxiety yes. like we think like whatever <laughs> he is yeah, living, living embodiment like, of shepherd anxiety mixed with terror and fear <laughs> i came home his name is gravy Aww. because he was brought to the shelter on thanksgiving oh and they were like his name is gravy because turkey gravy get it Poor yeah kid. and i'm like <laughs> You're coming home with me. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love you. I love you. And Brie goes, what have I done? No, yes. literally, like, <laughs> I got in the car and I was driving from Fayetteville to Siloam. I was on the highway and this dog was going nuts oh in my, my backseat. Gosh. And I was on the phone with Brie and I said, okay. So. So. <laughs> Here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> Be prepared. So I brought home this very energetic dog. He's a shelter dog. We don't really know a lot about his backstory. We do know that he had been returned three previous times. He could not find a family that fit with him. It's so sad. We are the family heck or high water. Yes. That's going to fit with him. He has adjusted so well to us. But our first time giving him a bath... We had no idea what to expect. Yeah. Because walking him. Yeah. An old woman coming up next to us. He wigs out like he's terrified of her. He barks presentially aggressive. Oh, my gosh. No idea what to do. Yeah. I've had to like choke slam this dog carefully and lovingly. <laughs> yeah. But like I've had to like bring him back. He's yeah. huge. He's like 85 pounds. Oh, yeah. Bath time was rolling around because he was getting pretty ripe. <laughs> yeah. Because Bree and I were like avoiding the whole thing. Like, yeah, Bree would be like something kind of smells. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, Gravy's like right there between. Yeah, that's it's weird. Like obviously that's... him. Hey, guys. Yeah. We did everything you could possibly do. We smeared peanut butter on the <laughs> wall of the bathtub. Right. That's brilliant. Thinking like this will keep him occupied for a second while yeah. we soak him down. Yeah. yeah. We were really expecting, you know, in zombie movies where they like tape the phone book to their limbs. It's like, yes, it's going to bite me. So I need to protect my limbs. <laughs> we were wigged out. We got him in there. Water comes on. Automatically, his little ears drop back. He's scared. Oh, I lift him into the tub. Instant calm. What? Like uncharacteristic (laughs) Zen dog. What? Like he's fine. It's like a different dog. I run the little water through his hair. His little tail is down, but he's fine. Oh, my God. Warm water. We soap him up. Doesn't even lick the peanut butter off the wall. What? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This dog, (laughs) this crazy tornado of anxiety. (laughs) 
five out of five stars in a bath. Wow. Unreal. That's Highly recommend. Crazy. I would trust someone washing him before I would trust them walking him at this point. Oh my gosh. It's bizarre. So is it because he's terrified or because he <laughs> loves it? We're not sure. Nobody we knows. We think that he just kind of like freezes. Right. Like, like if I don't move, maybe it won't kill me. Yeah. We think that's what's happening. <laughs> and I don't but know. you're kind of like, like, okay, like, okay, I'll take that. That works. works for me. Like, you're going to get clean either way. Like, I would prefer that you enjoyed this. Right. I'd love to see the tail uh, wagon. Yeah. yeah. But he just kind of locks up. But if we're going to be scared. Then the, yeah. this is a good time scared for it. Scared stiff is yeah. the way to do <laughs> it. He's literally <laughs> stiff. Like, if you see, like, farmers pick up a goat, like, their limbs are, like, yes. stiff as a board. That's how he is. He's oh, my gosh. Stiff. That's so funny. It's, it's great. I think he blacks out in the shower. So, <laughs> oh my goodness! Like five out of five stars. Watching I just gray figure bath. out how to get my kids to have that response <laughs> when they're in the bath. That would be great. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Love it. Yeah. We've all been hurt. Whether it was your boss, your ex-boyfriend, or a bully in gym class, whoever it was, it stings. But now, you can sting them back with Pedigram's Petty Package. Let someone know how you really feel about them. Send them a bouquet of scorpions. Or maybe a truckload of snakes. Having trouble choosing between venomous and non-venomous? Upgrade to our curated mixtures. Sign up for Pedigram today. Because nothing says, bet you're sorry now, like a bundle of stink bucks. Plus one of the show where we learn from others because we need all the help we can get. The whole pleasure of being a human is in being stupid, but learning to be less stupid together. Now it is time for Plus One. This is the part of the show where we learn from someone else because we need all the help that we can get. And we are excited <laughs> to be joined on this episode by Tracy Balzer, who is a friend of Real FM. She is the author of four books. True. Four you're the director of Christian formation at John Brown University. You're the host of a Listening Life podcast on the KLRC Podcast Network. Also true. Are there any other commas I should add on to the <laughs> end of that? Or is, that is that a good summary? Oh, I mean, <laughs> the other thing I do that is just so bizarre, but is the light of my life, besides being a grandmother, is that I love to take groups of people to Scotland mm. oh. on spiritual pilgrimages. Yes. I know about this. You know I'm about this, very don't excited. you? about this too. Yes. I am going. What? Yes. When? Next, Next year? year. Awesome. July. Oh my gosh. As long as COVID allows. I want oh, it will allow. I, I want to go to there. <laughs> Same. <laughs> but I you're mean, actually going. I, I'm super jealous. Go, yeah. There probably are some other commas we could add. Harry Potter aficionado we oh, were just discussing. That's, yeah. yeah, that's, that's way good. down the list, but okay. it is there. <laughs> it is there. Well, we are so thankful that you're joining us today for a discussion on contemplative spirituality. That sounds, could sound, depending on how familiar you are with the <laughs> phrase, like a bit of a mouthful. We're going to break that down today and talk a little bit about what is contemplative spirituality yeah. Some of us may have some questions about is contemplative spirituality something that I should be incorporating into my life or that I should be kind of skeptical of. And ultimately, what contemplative practices can add to our relationship with God? I want to start with a really simple question, seemingly simple question. Let me put it this way. The question is simple. The answer might be complicated. <laughs> I don't gonna know. Find out. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find out. Yeah. What is contemplative spirituality? Well, you're right. It is a mouthful. <laughs> and the word contemplative can put us in a place where we get a little skeptical. And I would say that it's good to be a little bit skeptical. Mm. We want to think carefully about the terms and ideas that come to our attention, especially when it comes to our relationship with God. But this word has its roots in history. So even though it might feel like this is a new concept, it actually is quite an old one. Mm. <laughs> the contemplative tradition is really one of the traditions in Christianity through the ages that would also include the evangelical tradition, which is kind of a word-based tradition. It includes the social justice tradition or the compassionate tradition mm. where we are serving others and bringing healing to the world. 
It's part of the charismatic tradition where we really learn about how the Holy Spirit leads us and lives in us and works in the world. The holiness tradition rooted in the work of John Wesley, what we do matters and the people that we're becoming matters Mm. in the world. And then there is this contemplative tradition. It is a legitimate part of our Christian history. The simplest way for me to describe it is that the contemplative tradition really teaches us how to love God and how to receive God's love for us. Wow. It's striking to me that one of the primary criticisms I hear of contemplative spirituality is this feels very new agey, emerging church, uh, departure from a good, solid, traditional biblical foundation. What you're saying is, no, in fact, contemplative spirituality and the practices that go along with it are things that have been central to the church's spiritual life for a long, long time. So long that even though we might not have used this term, I would say contemplative spirituality, which I think that word spirituality is also a loaded one, (laughs) but contemplative practices, the contemplative posture goes as far back as the Psalms. So it goes back to scripture. (laughs) There are a lot of loaded words that can be troublesome to us, contemplative being one of them. Meditation is another one. (laughs) But we have to recognize that from the very beginning, Psalm 1 (laughs) talks about meditating on the law of God day and night. Hmm. It doesn't say studying the law Hmm. of God day and night. It doesn't say looking at the context, getting the original languages, (laughs) all of those things that are very important to inductive Bible study, critical in the Christian life, but it does say meditating on the law of God. And the person who does that is like a tree planted by water Hmm. and whose leaves are flourishing and whose fruit is produced in season. So this concept even of meditation has been a little bit co-opted by recent expressions that we might call new age. Mm. Even that term spirituality can be applied to so many things. Mm. But the truth is that the people of God have been meditating on God and have been contemplating his goodness and his love for centuries and centuries and centuries. And I think why it feels so foreign to us is we are all going crazy all the time, (laughs) right? Mm. That's the softest delivery of that news (laughs) I've ever heard. And it's so true, though. It's true. We are going crazy. Like, okay, Kara, I'll put you on the spot. Sure. How are we going crazy? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Like, what does that mean to you when I say that? Oh, I mean, there's so much input. There's so many expectations. There's so many things I should be doing and I'm not doing. So much pressure. Life is just exhausting. It is. And isn't it interesting that a lot of those things that you just said can inadvertently come from our communities of faith. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, yeah, a lot we of times. grow up saying this is what a good Christian is. So you need to do these things and you need to know these things. I would argue that very few of us probably came up through our youth group experience. This isn't a high criticism. This is just reality, objective truth that we didn't actually learn how to connect with God in meaningful ways where we understand that he is good and all his ways are good and that his love for us is beyond our comprehension and how to Mm. receive that love and know that that is what is the truest thing about us, Mm. not what we do, what we produce, the answers that we can give about Mm. our faith. Again, all of those things are important. It's just that we have really landed in that area, I think, Mm -hmm. in recent generations, and we have forgotten what it means just to be with God and remember who he is and who he says we are. This is when it's very critical for us to remember that it isn't just knowing the right things. It is being shaped into the kind of person who will not lose hope Mm. in days Mm. like we are in right now. Somehow reflection isn't as suspicious of a word (laughs) as contemplation, (laughs) but they really are not that much different. I'm trying to rebrand it, but yeah, (laughs) rebrand it. So what we're talking about here is the reflective 
life, there you reflective go. spirituality. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, maybe there is almost a little bit of a branding problem with contemplative spirituality and that people just huh. kind of get scared by some of the terminology. I think for some people, maybe they hear contemplative spirituality and they start going, sometimes the word mysticism mm-hmm. is associated with this. Meditation is another one of those words that can, I think, trip a lot of people up. They sound a little woo wooey. I, I don't even yeah. know what yeah, the, that's, that's a is, thing. Is that the word? That's woo, the word woo-y. I would use. Woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> but when you talk about contemplative spirituality is reflecting on the nature of God, that God is love and that he loves us like that. That doesn't sound like that at all. It seems pretty basic, right? Yeah. But there's a couple things that we do need to consider in this. First of all, do we have a good understanding of how the Holy Spirit works in our life? If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And he is there to help remind you of who Jesus is, remind you of all he has taught you, Mm. and also to give you discernment. Discernment is the work of the Holy Spirit in us, helping us discern where it is that we should go in terms of, can I learn about this? Can I experience this? Or no, that sounds a little bit off to me. Mm. That's legitimate. There are a number of authors that would be considered in the contemplative realm that I choose not to read Mm. because the discernment in me says, I'm not really sure I feel that they are grounded in scriptural truth. Mm. But I also think that, you know, as we often say, all truth is God's truth. If there are ways that I can engage with the love of God in a more meaningful and transformative way, then I want to know what those ways are. It can give us some comfort knowing that there are wise teachers out there. Ironically enough, many of those wise teachers are dead. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I would say that I write books about this. Of course, I would like you to read my books, but really what I want to recommend is that you read dead people. (laughs) Look at some books in the past of people who have really engaged with the love of God that are sort of apart from our current fast paced, high pressured culture and help us focus in ways that maybe some popular writers are not doing. The other thing I think one of the things that makes us a little bit fearful about the idea of even meditation. Okay, Tracy, I hear you saying meditation is a word, even in Psalm 1, we Mm -hmm. get the idea that this is actually a Christian, a people of God concept that maybe has been co-opted by some Eastern or New Agey, you know, they have meditation as well. The thing that makes us a little bit nervous about that is what if I don't trust my own imagination? Yes, absolutely. I don't trust my own ability to to discern. Yeah. How do I know if I'm hearing from God? How do I know I'm not just going down some path in my own mind that I've created? And can I trust myself? Can I trust myself? There's a couple real basic safeguards there. One is just let me just point out that, hello, we use our imagination all the time. (laughs) We use our imagination every Easter, don't we? Mm. When on Good Friday, that's probably the closest that most of us who are unfamiliar with contemplation get to what this is really about. We imagine Jesus on the cross. Mm. We imagine what it would be like for his mother to be at the foot of that cross. And we imagine what it would be like for Jesus to say to his friend, John, this is now your mother. Mother, this is now your son. All of those really important scenes that are painted for us in the scripture, we enter into that. We do that at Christmas as well. And so for some reason, we're not afraid of imagination at that point. (laughs) Why would we be afraid at other times? Well, the answer is clear because we're contemplating scripture. The more I contemplate that crucifixion scene, this was even just very recently, you know, thought about Mary again at the foot of the cross. Give some time to think about what is really going on there. Don't just read the words and move on. Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis talked about the sanctified imagination. And I Mm -hmm. really believe that's true, that as we give all of ourselves to Jesus for his use, well, we give him our imagination as well for him to use to speak to us. And so, of course, we are frail human beings. We might not always be hearing God right, but isn't it better to try than to close that door altogether? It sounds like a thing that in some ways, maybe in small ways or even unintentionally, I'm like, oh, maybe I am actually already doing this. Mm. Like I, I think about certain songs that 
I have kind of this like gut emotional kind of reaction to uh, the one that comes to mind for me is how deep the father's love for us. Mm-hmm. The line, like it was my sin that held him there. Mm. Uh, anytime I sing that song, like that one always stops me in my tracks. And I don't know that I would have used these words, but in, in the context of this conversation, it makes me think like that gets me reflecting, mm-hmm. contemplating. Like when, when I hear the lines in that song, I stop and I, I imagine the scene. I reflect on that what that must have been like, how it makes me feel. Maybe in some small way, I'm I'm kind of starting to do what you described. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just not recognizing it as meditating on the song. But that's kind of what's happening there, right? Sure. You're letting it soak. You're letting it sink in. When I teach students about this, about this ability to really tune in, listen, and let it soak in, to ruminate, to ponder, to contemplate, to meditate, all these words. I first give them one of those old butterscotch candies. Nice. You know what those are? Like, oh yeah. You cannot eat that thing fast. Right. Unless you want to do some serious dental damage. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. (laughs) The point is you let it soak in. You have to take time with it. That's what's so very countercultural right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. We're not used to taking time. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is going to be a bold statement, but if we think that hearing a scripture read one time on Sunday morning in church is going to really do its formative work in us, I think we're very short-sighted. Right. And so in the same way, the contemplative tradition teaches us, let's maybe back up a little bit. Let's maybe just look at Psalm 1 and ruminate on that, which might mean actually reading it more than one time. Yeah reading it probably four times slowly. That's not how we read. There's not a thing wrong with reading the Bible through in a year, but that serves a different purpose. Right. This is a way to let the scripture get into you and make changes in you. If you're thinking more about Jesus on the cross and why he did that, that is going to change who you are. Hmm. Yeah. And I love that practical application of what you're talking about with what we do on Easter. And Anson, I love what you talked about with the music example, because I think that realizing that we might already be doing this can be reassuring because I think Mm. some people might be doing the Bible in the year thing because I might feel unqualified to really sit with scripture. I might just want to be able to take in the information. I think about my wife. Her big fear with this would be, what if I think wrong? One of my husband's seminary professors, Dr. Robert Mulholland, he has a great way of describing the difference between reading scripture for information versus transformation. And again, both are Mm -hmm. needed. It's just that in recent generations in the evangelical world, we have focused on information, soaking in scripture, this ancient Benedictine practice of Lectio Divina, you know, taking a short passage of scripture and reading it slowly with silence in between and sucking on that butterscotch candy. (laughs) And at the end, having a new understanding of the love of God. This is what transformation is. We really need both. The good news is really good news. I hope is as freeing good news. Like Isaac and Anson have said, like, we're already doing this. If you're just paying attention, it really is about paying attention. Mm. First and foremost, paying attention to scripture. But secondly, Paying attention to the fact that really God has two books, the book of scripture and the book of creation. That could be the creation of other believers, a song that really catches our attention. It could be the beauty of the natural world Mm -hmm. where you notice something absolutely beautiful and it stops you in your tracks Mm -hmm. and you just think, thank you, God. That is a contemplative moment where you were reflecting on this has been made by God for seemingly no apparent reason other than to display his beauty and to communicate his love Mm. to me. You're already kind of hinting at some of these things. I want to dive into them a little bit more. If I'm new to this idea of contemplative spirituality, what are some of the key practices You mentioned Lectio Divina. That might be one that has started to pick up some popularity in recent years. And you do a podcast that's based on this Mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. So the term 
Lectio Divina, you can hear, this is a Latin term, Lectio, the word, lexicon, lectionary, mm-hmm. and then Divina, you hear divine. So so Lectio Divina is sacred reading or divine reading. It has its roots in the Benedictine practice, Benedictine monasticism, because Benedictine communities do this every day. They take a small portion of scripture, and I always suggest that either one of the Psalms or one of the narrative portions of the Gospels is the best. For example, take the Gospel of Luke describing what happened when Jesus was invited into the Pharisees' home for dinner, and he goes, and they are questioning him why he hangs out with sinners. And then at this moment, a woman walks in who's clearly a sinner, and she kneels behind him and washes his feet. That is such a visceral moment. If you are willing to read it slowly and come to it as if you've never heard that story before. Mm-hmm. It's an attitude when you come to the scripture to tell yourself, this is new to me and God has something new to say to me. The process of Lexio could be like a 15 minute thing, but it is entering into this experience with scripture prayerfully, asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance as you do, and then reading those 10 verses instead of like, I'm going to start with verse one of this chapter and I'm going to get to the end of it and call it good. (laughs) Read it slowly that first time with no preconceived notions, just to hear it. And then give yourself some time of silence to not be in a hurry Mm. and to recognize that what you have just read is the Holy Word of God. Yeah. And then go back and read it a second time. When do we ever give ourselves permission to read something more than once? (laughs) (laughs) This time is when you might be paying attention if there's a word or phrase that really kind of glimmers or shimmers to you. It gets your attention for some reason. In the time of silence following that second reading, Go ahead and really ponder that phrase. Why is it that that is an important concept to really consider? And then what do you know? You read it again a third time, slowly. And then in the silent time that follows that, you're asking God, okay, what is it then that you're asking me to do? Or how am I to respond to this? Mm. And just see if there's something that comes of that. And then the fourth time, the final time, you read it simply in resting in the presence of God, receiving it as a gift of his love. And I am absolutely confident that over time, you know, all spiritual practices need practice. We don't do them perfectly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That over time, you will have encounters with Jesus that are unlike what you've ever had before. Now, if that seems scary or new agey, I don't know what to say to you. (laughs) (laughs) Because we all need more encounters with Jesus. And if we can't do it safely within the words of scripture, then I think we're worrying too much. Mm. My podcast, A Listening Life, can help guide you through that. Yeah, if you need someone Mm -hmm. to kind of walk you through that, especially as we're new to the practice. What about prayer? Slowing down Mm -hmm. and listening. These are things that I ought to be doing when I pray, but I don't know how, (laughs) right? Like it's one thing to me to say, okay, maybe I can sit down and I can read this short passage of scripture four times and do it slowly, take my time. But prayer feels awkward. Hmm. There's a point where like I run out of things to say and now what do I like? I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? As long as I'm reading a prayer or saying a prayer, I'm doing something. But then as soon as I have to (laughs) stop and be to your point, this is not something that most of us do. We don't know how. Yeah. How does contemplative spirituality come into practice in terms of our prayer lives? Honestly, I think what it does is it sets us free. Because most of us have grown up in a tradition like Protestant evangelicalism, which I had a wonderful upbringing in my church. My youth group and my mentors taught me so much about what it meant to follow Jesus. But it's funny, we don't really learn how to pray it's sort of expected that this is a natural thing. And we learn from listening to each other pray, Mm -hmm. but it starts to feel like a lot of words have to be involved. Mm. And what if I'm not saying the right words or what if I'm asking God for too much or if I don't have any words at all? Mm. 
I think that is the beauty of Lectio Divina because one of the things about it is that it is a prayerful reading of Scripture. And we need to expand our understanding or definition really of what prayer is. Mm. As I have gotten older (laughs) and moved through this pursuit of connecting with God in meaningful ways, I have learned that prayer requires fewer words of me. I mean, isn't it interesting when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray? It was really pretty like, okay, here's a little format for you. Yeah. (laughs) You could do that. Jesus's prayer book was the Psalms. Mm. It really was. That's how he prayed. And so again, I'm always going to point back to the Psalms. Mm. When I don't know how to pray, I can go there because the Psalms give us permission to pray absolutely honestly Mm -hmm. in all of our frustration, (laughs) our anger, our contentment, our praise. I mean, it takes 140 Psalms before you get to all the happy, happy Psalms, (laughs) right? There are some really wonderful contemplative Psalms in there. We all probably learned Psalm Mm -hmm. 23 is one of our first things Mm -hmm. that we memorized. Mm -hmm. So all that is to say is that it's good to ask, how can I learn to pray more? But also to remember that listening is just as important as the words that we say. I read something just the other day that said, the perfect prayer is, please. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Amen. And and thank you. (laughs) I do think it's really easy for us to put a lot of pressure on ourselves. By this time in my life, I should know this. So yes, it's, it's natural to go to the Lord's Prayer. It's natural to go to the Psalms. But the other thing that I love that comes from the contemplative tradition is the idea of the breath prayer. Mm. This is a prayer that is wonderful when you really not only feel like you don't know the right words to pray, but you actually don't feel like praying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is this is an ancient prayer that I find myself returning to regularly. And it is not just made up. It is rooted in scripture, which you'll recognize. But it's a simple prayer Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Well, you know, that comes from the story of the blind man on the side of the road, right? He sees Jesus passing by and he's calling out to him. I can be that blind man. I find myself praying that prayer over and over and over again. There's a really hard time in our lives we had gone through some really awful medical issues. And and I remember then I couldn't pray. The only prayer I could pray was, Lord Jesus, take away my fear. Lord Jesus, take away my fear. And you know what? I have to be okay with not interceding for the whole world for mm, that time. Yeah. For now, this is my prayer. So again, I think that's freeing. There are so many things that are prayer that we don't consider really as being prayerful. Our whole life can be a prayer. We've talked about these ideas of slowing down, listening, reflecting, ultimately that leading to transformation. It changes who we are. How have some of these contemplative practices changed who you are and how have they changed your relationship with God? I think they are changing what I believe to be important, what my priorities are in life. I've been thinking about Colossians 3 a lot, set your heart on things above, not on things of earth, set your mind on things above. That's our priority, right? I learn what is truly important and what my life is really about, even when things are crumbling around me. Mm. But I would say the most profound thing, even it has changed even in this pandemic period, is that my love for Jesus has increased in ways that I couldn't have imagined and my desire for him. Mm. As Christians, I mean, if that's not what we're about, I think we have to maybe ask why we're Christians at all. What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. We are called to be his agents of redemption in the world. We are called to be salt and light. There are a lot of things that we are called to do, but if it's not rooted in a love for Jesus and an ability to receive his love for us, I think we're always going to be questioning if we're good enough. That is just a real trap. The performance trap. The rest of the world is all about performance. But the life-giving way of Jesus is not about that at all. So if I can just have some pressure taken off of me from having to be a good Christian, 
but rather instead just to enjoy following Jesus, enjoy knowing that he is beside me, above me, below me. His presence is really all I need in this life. I can get through a lot of other stuff. Well, that just about wraps up this episode of the Really Real Podcast. But before we go, instead of drawing a blank, we're going to fill one in. And our fill in the blank for this week is one spiritually contemplative practice I want to incorporate more of into my life is blank. Hmm. I'll kick us off. I have a tendency to inhale stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Books, music, anything that you can consume, Mm. food, I consume it (laughs) quickly and in large quantities. That's awesome. Nice. And I actually think I do this with the Bible Mm. and with prayer and with like spiritual practices as well. Get all excited about this new thing. I get the biggest straw I can find and just like (laughs) suck it all down, right? Boba style. Yeah, there you go. And I really like what Tracy was talking about in terms of narrowing our focus Mm -hmm. and saying like, what if I picked out a passage, a Psalm and just really slowed down and spent time with this thing and spend a little more time chewing instead of just inhaling it without chewing at all, (laughs) which is usually my go-to method. Uh, I love that. Me too. Mine is, is similar to that. Specifically, a lot of times when I'm sitting down to have spiritual time, I end up really struggling because I have all these expectations of I need to be doing something. I really struggle with trying to do it right. Mm. So for me, what really stuck out was sitting in stillness and silence long enough to let it actually sink all the way to my heart. God loves me. He's pleased with me. Yeah. Rather than just checking the box, right. rushing through it. Yeah. Absorbing, absorbing it. Feels like a word that comes That's to mind. That's a good word. But- Literally letting it sink in there and absorb feels like something really want more of. Yeah. I think I need to do better about opening up my definition of what a prayer can look like. Mm. I think that we've already had this conversation going with our staff chaplain, Justin. Shout out to Justin. He had this concept of prayer stations. Throughout your day, you have these moments where a prompt for a prayer comes up. Mm. And I was intimidated by that because what if I can't talk to God, right? (laughs) I want to do better at that and opening Mm. up my definition to even just include that breath prayer, like have mercy on me, a sinner. Some days that's all I have the energy for. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, looking at the clock, we are late to our group therapy session. Oh, so let's okay. go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Really Real Podcast. And so what we have learned applies to our lives today. God has a lot to say in his book. And we know that God's word is for everyone. And now that our podcast is done, we'll take a look Get more content or air your grievances in the Real FM Facebook group at real.fm slash insiders. Tune in next time to hear Anson, Kara, and Isaac say, This is your wrench. Really? (laughs) How did, what? (laughs) I I debranded the microphone. Oh, okay. I was like, thanks. (laughs) He likes throwing a wrench in the Uh, Ah, ah.